Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope that your Friday has been going splendidly. Uh, I slept like 14 hours. And I don't know, I mean, the energy has been overwhelming. Super, super intense. Our ascension symptoms scale today is 99. Our Schumann resonance, I'm going to read it right now, right up, right up front. At 170 o'clock again, it says, I'm assuming that means five or 1700 hours UTC time. Today we had an activity similar to that of yesterday, even though the peak was slightly higher and reached 29 hertz at 7.30 UTC. The activity took place from 3.30 to 12 UTC when the amplitude has returned to normal values. So not exactly the bombardment of 24 solid hours like we've been getting for the first third of this year. So maybe a new pattern is emerging. I don't know. Maybe we don't need it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, fat chance. I'm sure we still need it. So I have no idea though why it didn't happen on the 17th or maybe possibly after they stopped recording it at five in the evening, maybe it amped up and maybe we're going through a massive wave right now and we won't know until tomorrow when they report on the website. So somebody tried to break in across the street. I don't know if you guys could hear the really annoying uh, alarm, but hopefully you can't. I don't know. Does it help to imagine that the ghosts are in trouble on Pac-Man and you're getting ready to eat them? It sounds exactly like that. I'm hoping it's much louder for me than it is for you. It's kind of far away. I don't know. Sounds like the bakery or the pharmacy. Somebody tried to bust into the pharmacy, maybe. Anyway, we don't have a lot of businesses. We have several little tiny businesses in my neighborhood, but there's not a lot. So it's kind of disturbing to hear that. Um, all right. Uh, in Israel, yesterday at 8 o'clock, right on the dot in the evening, they had a 4.4 earthquake. They are pretty much due for another massive earthquake. They haven't had one since the 1920s. And according to scientists and geologists in the region that have studied 
you know, the tectonic plates and whatnot. In that area, every 80 to 100 years, they have a massive earthquake. So in January, they had a 3.6 and now they had a 4.4. But I don't know. I mean, you can't say those are four shocks because they're kind of moseying right along at one every four months. So I don't know. You know, it could be something major or something minor. I mean, 4.4 is not that big of a deal. I've lived through many earthquakes. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully... They won't have a big one, but I have a feeling it's coming. <laughs> it's like been a hundred years, so almost. So I, I think any, I don't know, any year now, they're going to have a big one. I hope they're prepared. A lot of people are saying, like, especially the scholars of, you know, Jewish scholars and Christian scholars alike are saying that this is going to be the time in which God starts punishing humans for all of their wars with um, basically plagues and earthquakes and natural disasters. Well, if that's true, I mean, God, look around. (laughs) You know, we have had frogs in Florida and... I don't know, all kinds of insects plaguing different parts of the U.S. and massive amounts of locusts from Saudi Arabia all the way to Israel and back all over the place. We've had massive volcanoes go off, lots of earthquakes. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not, but then... In the report on Shanti Universe today that I heard, she was talking about the Gog, Magog um, prophecies. I don't know exactly what that is. I do recall first learning about the Gog, Magog <laughs> idea when I read, oh gosh, this book. They made it into a movie. Let me, I, I gotta look it up. Hold on. Well, I was <laughs> trying to look it up, and while trying to look it up, I remembered the name, A Wrinkle in Time. You know, where the four-year-old, he, he's four years old, and he doesn't speak, uh, Charles, and they think there might be something wrong with him, and the teachers are all complaining, and then it turns out when he does speak, he's a freaking genius. So, anyway, <laughs> it's I love, I love the whole Wrinkle in Time series, they're an amazing set of books. So if you never read, if you've never read them until now, please go read a wrinkle in time. So I don't know. This week has been really weird for me Two two nights ago. The minute I finished my recording, I told you guys I had moved in time, but I felt like my body was shifting to the left. And the first time this happened, it shifted to the right. The minute I, refor- I, I stopped recording and published, and then I, I put it out on um, fa- uh, Facebook Messenger, you know, and then I'm like done for the night as soon as I hit the Messenger, uh, you know, announcement to my family and friends. As soon as I put my phone down, <laughs> I had like, I moved forward, forward, directly forward, like, I don't know, half an inch or something. And then I just felt really strange and only, and it only felt like one second passed. I'm like, well, that was a weird sensation. <laughs> and then I got up and I went into my, um, my living room and my kitchen 
and I was looking around and do you guys know the feeling that you get when you've been gone for like three days, you've been gone for the weekend and you're used to being in your home every single day and everything is normal. Everything's the same. Every day is the same. And then you leave for two or three days and then you come back. And even though it's super familiar to you, you feel unfamiliar to the place. And it takes like a couple of seconds of you getting used to it because you haven't been there in three days. You have to adjust your energy to the space. That was the feeling I got. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been gone for three days. Even though, I mean, it only took like one minute or five minutes, not even five minutes to walk in. I mean, it's not like I live in a huge mansion. I live like in a small apartment. So what did it take me? Five seconds to walk into the other room. And yet I had been gone three days. It was the exact feeling I had. Looking around and my flowers, everything was the same but I felt different. (laughs) I've had an experience. It made me three days older, but I'm back at the same timeline. So I started exploring and I started asking my spiritual team, Hey guys, can you tell me what, what just happened? And they said, well, you went to the Pleiades for three days. I was in the freaking Pleiades for three days. Uh, For me, only five seconds passed. Not even. I mean, maybe 10 minutes, I don't know, but it only felt like, you know, no time at all. It just felt like my body felt, I felt a little weird and this overwhelming sensation of nausea came over me for just a flash and then I moved forward and I felt kind of woozy and a little bit dizzy and then I just kind of <sighs> took a deep breath and I was fine. So then my friend uh, contacted me from Canada today and told me that a massive ship, completely cloaked, couldn't even see it, came over and shook her house last night for quite a while. Her and her husband were looking up. They couldn't see anything, but they knew it was there. The dogs reacted, everything, and they were both uh, taken. So I asked her higher self and her spiritual team what's going on because sometimes she can't always get the answers for herself. I ask her about me all the time as well because sometimes we need an extra set of <laughs> psychic eyes to figure it out. So it turns out she and I both have been abducted by the Pleiadians um, and taken to their ships in the past, in the past week four different times. And I didn't know anything about it. Like, I knew I'd been abducted. I felt weird. And I felt like, also, maybe beyond the Pleiadians, because they don't do this, but somebody came and injected the back of my skull again with something. And I think that, I don't know who that is. As I have the sore spots, I don't have a scab or the bleeding like I did before. But it's all very weird. Something is happening, but I didn't... I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm getting the information now. So in addition to just my hopping out of my body (laughs) on my own and going to Pleiades for three days, I also have been taken by them to their ships. And I told my friend, okay, this is the information I'm getting. It's really weird, right? I've never worked at the Pleiadians before. And they, uh, 
I don't know. I, I didn't know what's going on, but I did. I remember saying out loud, I want to be a part of your ground crew. I want to help because people are going to freak out when they start seeing the ships everywhere. <laughs> and I want to help. I want to be a part of it, you know? And I started channeling, um, Michael Sherhan of Ashtar command. Sounds like I'm completely schizophrenic when I say these words, but he's a real guy and that's a real thing. And the more I look into it, the more I get answers that seem pretty solid. Oh, when I said that, I felt like we just had a little bit of a jolt of an earthquake right now. Ah, dag nabbit. <laughs> I hate that feeling. I don't know if it was me. Maybe I just hopped out of my body or... <laughs> anyway, um, she asked me, well, why, why are they taking us? What's happening? What is this about? And like, and I got kind of annoyed. I'm like, you know, I'm like typing in. Yeah. I'm like a little bit annoyed, not at her, but at the question, like, come on. Hello. The world has ended. We're all in the fifth dimension. There's a lot of sleeping people. We have to be here for them when they wake up. We've got to help them. And, and then the Pleiadians are going to help implement, you know, the, their, their, their things that they plan to do. Stop all nuclear radiation, fix the ocean, bring back the health of the ocean and the atmosphere, you know, the normal stuff. Come on. They're going to implement basic income. You know what they're going to do. And I acted like kind of, I didn't, I mean, to her, she doesn't know that I was like annoyed at the question, but I was like annoyed at the question internally only. And then I, then I realized, well, I had, my annoyance was that, was she asleep during the meetings? Come on. We were all just at the meetings together just a few days ago. Even today, I think was one. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I had no recollection, recollection at all that any of this had happened until I had the question asked of me. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? Oh, all right. Yeah. (laughs) that makes a heck of a lot of sense right and I know in in 2028 the time travelers I'm going to do time traveler episodes soon I hope in the next few days I have to watch a lot of videos and then I'm going to see if I should do it only on no other time traveler and then in a week we'll do another time traveler I don't know I got to figure out how I how I can do it so I can tell you guys what's what's what but I have heard from a few different time travelers that in the year 2028, the ETs are going to arrive and they're just going to be like, hey, yo, we're here. You're not alone in the universe now, basically. And from that moment forward, we're all going to have um, <laughs> access to time travel with machines, not just consciousness, and maybe possibly flying cars. So. Woohoo! It's the Jetsons world is coming. It's so awesome. So I don't know. I, this whole Pleiadian thing going off for three days, I think it was like a vacation, but then when they took me to the ship, it was more like business. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I just know that for the past three days, I've been very, very tired, been sleeping a lot. Um, a lot of crazy stuff has come up. So the, in the past week, we have been healing a lot, right? We've been healing the first chakra and the second chakra. I went over that yesterday. The energy that started today, late this afternoon, and will continue on through the new moon tomorrow is the clearing out 
of all of the issues involved with the third chakra. So I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about the third chakra tonight because this is what energy you need to be working on, what we need to be clearing, what we need to, um, how we, how we need to redefine the way we look at each other and the way we look at ourselves, what we accept from other people, what we refuse to acknowledge or accept any longer from other people. We've got a lot to go through. <laughs> it's going to be kind of another hardcore psychological um, episode as far as uh, stuff. It's not going to be as harsh as yesterday. I mean, all the sexual stuff is really hard for people to get through. I hope the past few three or four nights have been helpful for you guys. But I feel like this is what's coming tomorrow. If you hear this tonight or you're listening to this tomorrow, you're going to hear it. You're going to be able to clear it. If you hear it like a month from now, you can be like, oh, yeah, I remember that day. I remember when I was going through those issues for a few days. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully this is going to help heal you on levels that needed healing. You know, it's just we have all these layers in our subtle bodies and we need to heal it all. So anyway, I'll be right back and we're going to get right on into um the issues of the third chakra and the identity crisis that we're all facing at this moment, you know, individually and as a collective whole. All right. Just remember, keep it playing. Go grab yourself some water. You know, you know, you know the drill. So in addition to <laughs> all the um, interactions with the Pleiadians lately, I also have hopped timelines 13 times in the past week. Have you guys noticed? <laughs> um, it started in the beginning of the week where I was, well, I was looking for my matches. I knew where they were. I have a little bench that I keep in the bathroom that has the things that I need on it. And always I have matches there so I could light my candles. That's how I heat my house. And they, they were gone when I needed them. They were there in the morning. I must have shifted sometime during the day while the matches were gone. A couple days later, I shifted again and there's the matches again. But they're not how I left them. They're askew and I'm a Virgo. I know how I put stuff. Usually... <laughs> I have it like the edge matching up. The, I'm, I'm really anal retentive about this stuff. And it was like matching the edge. And it was like literally sitting on top of a book, a skew. And I'm like, oh, I did not put my matches like that. But when I'd been in the bathroom earlier, no one, no one was home. I was, I was here by myself. I've been in there earlier and there were no matches. Went back in there. Now they're in there, but a skew. <laughs> I mean, I know how things are in the house and then suddenly things are different. And yesterday, another thing that was weird was that my roses were fine. And an hour later, one of them was completely dead. And I'm like, whoa, that's weird because I know that rose was fine just like two hours ago. 
So it's like weird stuff like that. But last night was the weirdest one where during the day earlier, I had my friend and I sometimes send funny emojis to each other. And I'd sent him these white tube top socks or not tube top, but you know, the tube socks, I'm sorry, white tube socks with yellow rings around the top, like, like Bobby Brady type of socks. Right. And that was a cute emoji on Facebook messenger. And I did it like with the sun and you know, the tube and the tube socks. And he, um, responded later in the night after I'd hopped timelines and just above his message, those tube socks were, um, baby blue with dark blue bands, which didn't make it funny because it didn't match the sun. It was just, we have a weird sense of humor with each other. But anyway, but the point is that the emoji changed. I'm like, that's really weird. And I got upset. Oh, I just hopped timelines where the emojis are worse. Right? So I looked and sure enough, I mean like 30 emojis had changed for the worst. And I looked at something I had put, I placed as an ad for my show and the rainbow emoji was really beautiful and kind of expansive and glowing and really kind of ethereal. And then the new one is very basic. It looks like a design from the 1970s. It looked like something I've seen on a t-shirt in the seventies is a very retro rainbow design. And I was like, what? So I made a new like advertisement saying, Hey guys, all these emojis have changed in the past six hours. Have you noticed? And I put all emojis I noticed were different. And one of them was a brain. It used to be hot pink. And now it's like ugly. It looks like a real brain is really creepy. So I did the rainbow above the brain and then like a a tongue licking the brain. I said, taste the brainbow. (laughs) And um, and I sent that to a few of my friends and they're like, oh my God, it's like the Mandela effect. And sure, emojis change from time to time on Messenger, but why would they go backwards and make them uglier? It doesn't make any sense. So now I keep waiting to hop to the timeline in which now the emojis are better. Oh, and somebody told me that on this timeline I'm on right now that um, there's a new world order going on. But I don't know if that's just his conspiracy theory or whatever, or if that's really true. I haven't looked into the politics of this timeline, but it's very, it's pretty disturbing. Pretty disturbing. I don't know um, what to make of it. So, all right, on to tonight's topic. I'm going to read to you guys pretty much what the third chakra is all about. The first chakra is at the perineum. It's like literally the base of your spine on the outside of your skin, like right there, like at the level of the genitals, right? That's where the first, that's a root chakra. And that's your basic instinct of survival. That's your intense like beginning part of the world, you know, your first experience, you know, when they welcome you with flowers and candy. Oh, I mean, turning you upside down and slapping you on the ass. It's the most inappropriate greeting. I don't think they do it anymore, but they did that to babies for freaking generations. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the world. Slap. (sighs) Hope you enjoyed here. And they slap you to make you cry. 
It's like, why? Why? It's like so evil. And then the second chakra is like your sexual identity when you grow up and become who you are, you know, um, on a sexual level. And I already went through a lot of this yesterday, at least the problems that we have with that. And so now the third chakra and in the first chakra is red. The second is orange. The third, of course, just like a rainbow is yellow, like a bright golden sunny yellow. And today when I was starting to fall asleep, the sky was all white and there's like puffy white clouds. And then it turned all white and rainy. And then I fell asleep in the afternoon. I woke up briefly and the whole sky was really yellow. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the energy I was getting. And this is for tomorrow when the full moon hits that we're going to have this, um, more intense, um, I don't know. We're going to have this more intense energy coming and it's going to help us heal all of the things in regards to the third chakra. So basically the third chakra is called Manipura, which means the lustrous gem. It's located around your belly button, basically, and between the belly button and the solar plexus. When you feel that gut instinct, you know, if you feel, if you see something, you don't like them and you feel Ugh, in your stomach, that's your, that's your third chakra. Um, it's connected to self-esteem, personal power, who you identify as, as far as how you want the world to see you your warrior energy, whether you're racing towards the direction of your dreams or you're sitting by on the sidelines waiting for life to pass you by, or if you're kind of in the middle of that. If you feel like you have to act, but you can't, and you're like, uh, and you hold yourself back, that's where you feel it in your body most. Usually the power of transformation lies within the third chakra. So it's super important. Also on a physical level, this chakra will control your metabolism and your digestion. So a lot of times we will, um, have problems when, you know, we feel like we're personally attacked then we'll go home and get the stomach flu or we'll get, um, and we won't even make the connection. But if you look back on your life, maybe you might be able to remember that or see, you know, like I, I knew, um, a lady who had irritable bowel syndrome or maybe that one where you, if you swallow toothpaste and it, it, they say that if you have toothpaste in your system, it causes this, the fluoride causes this, um, oh gosh, Crohn's disease. Remember my friend making fun of her mom. She said she's such an old crone. So she has Crohn's disease. It's like, you know, let's just ignore that those two words just spell different. C-R-O-H-N is how you spell the disease. And old crone is C-R-O-N-E, which means powerful witch who's elderly, right? So it's two totally different things. But, um, but my friend used to make fun of her mom and she's like, my mom's such a wishy-washy person. You know, she just doesn't, she doesn't really know what she wants in life and she doesn't go after anything. She just literally has absolutely zero goals. And she has such a low self-esteem that she sits in the house all day and, um, she never leaves the house because she has this, like, it's like an irritable bowel syndrome type of situation going on. So that's a, a 
pretty good example. Like the father was pushing everybody around and controlling everybody and she felt powerless and she put herself in that position and allowed herself to feel powerless in that situation. And then she developed Crohn's disease. So that's a very real world example of what can happen when you are not in your own power. You know, when you feel like, uh, gut punched if something happens to you and like not like if someone cheats on you you feel in the lower chakra but if someone cheats on you and your whole personal identity is wrapped up in the idea of being a couple with that person we are a couple we do this we do that you know what I mean and when you grab onto somebody else in a relationship energetically speaking and you are the you know like not as kitschy as when you take your name and their name and you make it as a third name with it not like that but it's almost like that energetically you know we're like you know um brangelina you know and then when your whole identity is wrapped up in that and then if the the relationship breaks up or they cheat on you or something happens to threaten that you feel like you've been punched in the gut you're just like oh you know and that's where you feel it like your identity is just shattered you know and that's why you should always try to formulate an identity outside of other humans you know um that's a huge reason why but basically who you are as far as I don't know, just as far as your identity is concerned, you know, like, and and not just gender identity, although that can be a part of it. And I don't mean sexual fluidity or sexual identity. That's different. You know, like you, your identity could be like, I am a strong woman, you know, and you're, but maybe your sexual identity is different than that. You know, whether you're, doesn't matter, you know, that that's a whole, de- whole different set of circumstance. So like your identity could be, I am a proud homemaker or I am a strong businessman or, um, I'm weak or, and I'm a victim. That could be an identity. It's not a good one, but it's doesn't have to be positive. Your identity is like your identity, you know? All right. Um, let's see here. I had this all queued up and now I'm getting ads. So in general, we do develop the third chakra between 18 and 42 months of age. The challenge of this is the shame, the feeling of shame, but not the sexual shame that I talked about yesterday, but I think it's more of the shame of if you don't become a success in life according to yours or somebody else's definition. This is your ego, your ego identity. The ruling planets of the third chakra are the sun and Mars. So to heal this, you you know, on a physical level, there's cinnamon and ginger. Ginger does care, by the way, all stomach disease, you know, diseases or you know, not curing it, but it helps with the easing of it. If you're nauseous or if you have any issues, ginger is very strong and it's powerful. It can kill, um, it can kill germs. 
They have discovered that in laboratories, I'm sure of it. But the incense to burn for this sandalwood, musk, saffron, um, the psychological function of your third chakra is your will. If you don't know how to use your will, your life is not going to go the way you want. You have to become a warrior for yourself, for your own life. So I had my will challenged yesterday. Uh, The endocrine glands, by the way, are the adrenals and the pancreas are also very much connected to the third chakra. So if you value yourself and you value your work and you value yourself as a human being, you have a high self-esteem and a high confidence level, then your solar plexus chakra, your third chakra will be balanced. When you're confident, you know, you could do something well, you love yourself, you're willing to express yourself in a very powerful way, not aggressive, but affirmative. Um, then you know that you are, you know, free, you're a free individual. You're sovereign when you feel like you are sovereign and you are king of your world, queen of your world. When you can direct your own life and you choose to be yourself, you have to accept yourself, you acknowledge your own worth, and you don't look to others for your own personal worth and value. This is the building blocks of the third chakra to make it healthy. Loving yourself, self-love, caring for yourself out of a deep love and respect for yourself. This is literally the center of your self-esteem. When you criticize yourself, when you judge yourself, you are undermining your third chakra as well as obviously yourself. You weaken your own willpower. You can deplete the energy of the chakra when you put yourself down or you're super critical of yourself. So you have to choose to stand in your personal power. And you have to choose to identify who you are for yourself. And you don't, you cannot allow other people to define you. And let me go into a little bit, like throughout history, this is how it's been. And I I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but how it's been for women. And I'm going to tell you another story. I, I'm a, I'm a shaman, you know, I'm a Hayoka. Sometimes I tell funny stories, but sometimes I tell stories that will get right to the heart of the matter and that might bug you. If it bugs you, it's something you need to look at. So my boyfriend that I had for a time, I was in his life to help change him. I was in his life to help him believe in God. And I mean, it took two of us angels. My friend, uh, Mikhelzadek was another angel and he and I were both assigned to this guy. So he shows up and he's like, oh wait, you're here. And then he told me you're an angel and, and I know you because, oh my gosh, we fell to heaven. We fell from heaven together. You don't remember me? I'm your brother. I'm like, what? You're out of your freaking mind. You know? <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe don't give this guy any sharp objects and stay 10 feet away from it at all times, you know? 
the more I talked to him, the more I realized I think he's real. And it's weird that God gave me this assignment. And like, wait a minute, why am I taking assignments from God unless I am an angel? <laughs> I never thought about myself that way. I just saw myself as a human. And he said, well, yeah, obviously we're humans. And we've been on the reincarnation path and cycle by like 10,000 or 100,000 years ago, whenever it was, we fell to earth. And because God asked us to, I have the direct memory of that and you don't. And I'm like, oh my God, the more he told me, the more I realized, oh, it's probably true because I've been on assignments the past seven years when I took the mantle on from God to serve him serve the one will not in a religious way only in a spiritual way and i've been traveling around helping humanity as well as dogs and cats and animals and birds birds that were dying uh came to my house to die in my arms it happened a couple times really freaked my kids out <laughs> like i don't know uh i've had like insects land on me and die right away because they came to die with me. They wanted to be in my presence and die because I was the comforting angel of death that carries them to the other side. This has happened to me many, many times. It's really creepy. <laughs> it's happened so many times. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I thought that was weird, but okay. So we're both trying to help this guy and he had so many family issues. And the more we both got to know him, the more he started opening up about the things that bothered him about his life and his family. And I could see that a big, huge issue for him was all the generational stuff that, that, um, it was affecting him. His father came from Ireland directly and he had a lot of really powerful, um, old, old fashioned ideas. And this guy was really bothered by it. He was very close to his sister. He loved his sister just almost like they were twins, even though they're only like a year or two apart, very much, um, very close. I mean, because the way the family dynamic was he and his sister were like against the parents energetically speaking and when they grew up and they were teenagers he kept encouraging my guy who ended up being my boyfriend he kept encouraging him to go out and get a job and get a skill or a trade something you can make a lot of money at you've got to go 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 maybe you'll have your own business someday maybe you'll have your own construction company someday and he's like why don't you push you know my sister and, she, and, he, and his response was well she's beautiful she's pretty <laughs> and he's like what does that have to do with anything you're saying that I'm ugly he's like no you're handsome but that doesn't matter you need to work with your hands. You need to work, you know? And he was like saying, well, you can't go to, you, know, you can't get an education or go to college because you're dyslexic. So he kind of like told him who he was. So that was the first issue. The second issue was with the sister. He's like, why can't, you know, why aren't you encouraging her? She's really smart. She gets good marks in school. And he goes, well, then that matters. She's beautiful. She's thin. She's pretty. She's going to get a good husband. So she'll be set for life because she has good looks. 
you know, that fine Irish stock. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, the father was controlling the kids and defining them by their abilities or lack thereof or their accoutrement, you know, like the things that God gave them. And this is something that's always bugged me, like how he's not the only guy that ever did this in the history of the world, is he? (laughs) Women have always been defined by that. You know, if you're too fat or too ugly, you know, you're not going to get a husband. You're going to be a spinster. You won't be able to own land. And this is before women could vote. So your identity was dictated for you based on the most superficial and shallow parts of you. Did barely have anything to do with you, by the way. You know, when people say to you, oh, I like your eyes. Oh, thank you. I had them installed yesterday. They were only $9.99 each. I mean, you know, like, what are you supposed to say to that? I really like your eyes. Uh, thanks. Wow. I really, truly did not have a whole hell of a lot to do with that. Oh, your hair is just so beautiful. It's so lustrous. It's so thick. It's so this. It's so that. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thanks. You know, (laughs) so how do you respond to that? Whether you're a man or a woman, you know, and in the past I've been guilty of like blurting out stuff that's superficial and, you know, like, Ooh, he's got a nice ass on him. You know, that kind of thing. It's objectification and it's wrong. And when you're objectified, it it, kind of undermines you. And not only do you undermine you, other people undermine you constantly. When they pick apart your outfit, they pick apart what you do for a living. They pick apart your uh, identity. And if you allow other people to shape you and how you feel about yourself, you can do a lot of damage. So this is the energy coming in starting tomorrow, especially with the full moon. We're going to have to reshape who we think we are. And we're going to have to repair all the times and places in this life and all of our past lives where people undermined us. When people saw us as a commodity, my father in, um, Egypt lost a gambling game in another life, a past life I had. And I was like the daughter of a sultan. He was a sultan. And when he lost, because he was a gambling addict, he literally used me as a commodity. I was no better than, you know, two goats or a box of imported tropical fruit to my father, you know. And he sold me to this guy, literally gave me to this guy who won the game so the guy wouldn't kill him. And I literally, I had to go back. I I did a past life regression on myself. I, I went back and I had to tell myself, look, you are okay and you are gonna go on. Your life is what it is now and it sucks, but you and I are the same person. So you're going to come with me right now and I'm going to hug you and I'm going to love you because you are not what your father thinks. Your father thinks so very little of you, but that has nothing to do with you. It has to do with his bad vision, his inability to see the truth and the reality. 
He's so caught up in his own identity crisis that he cannot see that you are an individual as well. You are a sovereign being and you're an equal, but he can't see it. So now we've got to forgive all the people that don't see us as equals. We've got to forgive ourselves for not seeing ourselves as equal or worthy. Here's a piece of homework for you. Write on your mirrors in your home the words, I am enough. If you don't like that one, write the words, I am worthy. You've got to learn to love and accept yourself. And you have to slough off like dead skin all of the layers of crap people put on you over the years. Last night, I was in a taxi coming home after having been stood up by my date. And I know that it has nothing to do with me. I know this guy has some issues emotionally and mentally, and he's working through it. He's seen a doctor. He's, you know, he's on medication and he probably had a panic attack. He might've had an emergency that had nothing to do with that or, but I don't care. I, I need to make an excuse for him, but I do know that. Whatever he was going through literally had nothing to do with me. So the last time we saw each other, we were getting along great. It's, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. It had nothing to do with anything other than it was his issue, not mine. I was irritated by it, though. He's just standing there in front of the church waiting for 30 minutes like an idiot. You know, it's irritating. You know, it's very disrespectful. He disrespected me. You know, but I didn't take that in and feel that I'm no longer worthy of respect. I don't give people that kind of power anymore. Thank you, God. I finally got over that. But after I went and I took myself out to eat and I came home in a taxi, this taxi driver told me no less than 30 freaking times that I should marry him. And I kept asking him, well, why? Why do you, why would you want to marry me? You don't know me. And he goes, well, I don't have to know you. It doesn't matter. You're beautiful. Like, so he's like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 50. He's like, well, I didn't think you're over like the age of 40. So see, you look good. You look young and you're beautiful and you're American. I'm all what? What does it have to do with anything? Does it mean I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in getting married. I'm not interested in getting into your life and becoming a slave to you because you think I'm beautiful. And he's like, well, why not? Why wouldn't we marry? I'm like, why would we? I don't know you. And it was like he was trying to force his will on me and try to get me to agree by asking me like 30 times to marry me, telling me, commanding me to marry him. And, and I told him, look, I, A, I, I don't want to be married. I mean, well, A, I don't know you. B, I don't want to be married and see what the hell do my looks have to do with anything? You know, between why, why, like, why are you even, why is that even a thing? Like, you know, you have eyes. I have eyes. Let's get married. What the hell? You know, and this, this guy was like 53 years old and he looked every bit of it. To be honest, he asked me how, how old does he think 
do I think he looks? I'm like, oh, 46. You know, I'm just trying to be nice. And I'm thinking, I hope to God he's older than 46. You know, I'm just like trying to be nice. But at the same time, it was just like, why is he trying to put his will on me? And I, it's like that deep-seated patriarchal BS that he thinks he can just push me around because I'm pretty. Pretty people must be stupid. What, you think I'm dumb Dumb as a freaking rock? Is that why? Oh, you're pretty. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let me act like a little girl now and call you daddy and uh, let's be married. I mean, seriously, is that what he wanted? Sorry, I'm a human freaking being. I am sovereign. I do not need to marry you to stay in the country. I do not need to be married because I'm pretty. You know, it's like I was just sitting there looking at this guy and I was just like, I literally would rather die than be a slave to a guy like that, that can't see past the superficial appearance of my skin and hair and shape of my body or whatever it was he was looking at. <laughs> it's so irritating. And I've had other people say, I want you to be my girlfriend. Why? Well, I think you're so beautiful. I like your lips. I like your eyes. I like your this. I like your that. And it's like, you know what? Those all are gifts that God gave me. But I've become so much more than a set of freaking eyeballs in the past 50 years. Because if I'm not any better or more than my hair, how about if I just lop off a couple inches off the bottom and you could just take my hair with you. Go marry my hair. Go marry this physical thing that literally means nothing. I mean, I'm grateful I have hair, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, how, how do people get off thinking that they could just do that? They could just say that. And that that's okay. Sorry, that's not okay. Getting a man because he's hot as shit and he is like the most beautiful trophy husband and going to make all your girlfriends jealous, that's not okay. That is not okay. You know, picking a wife because you like how big her boobs are or her pretty blue eyes, none of that, none of that is okay. That's objectification and you're reducing somebody to a point of being like just a thing, an object, you know, like, like, oh, well, I like your fingernails. <laughs> you want to get married? It's so stupid <laughs> and it's so shallow. We're beyond that crap now in this world. We are beyond that crap. And so when people do that to you, they're undermining who you are as a person you know, and I've had guys say to me, um, what do you want to know about me? And I'll go, well, what do you do for a living? And if they say something like, oh, I work in a shop or I'm, you know, I just sell car parts. I go, well, what, what's your big dream? What was your dream when you were a little boy? You know, what did you want to do? And um, they'll either tell me I didn't really have one or I had one, but it didn't pan out, whatever. And then I keep waiting. When are they going to ask me the same questions? And then the questions never come. And then sometimes I'll offer, well, you know, I do this. And they'll go, well, it doesn't matter. I love you anyway. I will love you anyway. Or I do love you anyway. 
No, no, you don't. You don't know me. If you don't know me, you can never love me. You know what I mean? Because I'm not the pretty features you see. You know what I mean? That's like saying, I'm going to buy that car, but I'm not going to look under the hood to see if an engine is is in there. I don't need an exhaust system. I I just need that pre-red paint on top. Yeah, it's a hot car, you know. Well, you have to tow it. Oh, it doesn't matter. I just like the pretty red paint. Guys don't do that with cars. But why would they do that? Not all guys do this. Most guys are actually more aware, more self-aware, and the majority of the people are like that. But when I come across it, it's like this old bastion of holdout. <laughs> and, and it's so irritating, you know. And I, women do it to men too. It's not just men doing it to women. And most men don't do this, and most women don't do this. Most people, I think, have woken up. They have gotten woke, you know. Most people now are looking into things like having a true relationship based on mutual interest and commonalities and mentalities that are similar. And if your hearts beat at this, you know, to the same drum, you know what I mean? And most people want, I mean, it's like, what do you do together if you have like nothing in common with the other person except they think you're hot? And when you lose your looks, if you get in a crack and they're going to divorce you, sorry, you don't like that face no more. Bye. You know, seriously, I've met people like that. And it's so few and far between. Thank you, God. So many people have woken up to the idea that that's no longer acceptable behavior. But when someone does that to you, it undermines you. It undermines who you feel if you allow it. So today I want you to take a deep breath and just kind of exfoliate that negativity from your life. (laughs) Anytime anyone has done that to you or the opposite. What if you aren't that terribly good looking or you're plain, you know, and they say, well, you know, at least you could go to college because you don't have good looks. That still undermines you. You know, it's kind of like putting the looks and the shallow crap above all the other stuff. So when people have ever done, and when you've done it to yourself, you know, when am I ever going to find a husband? I don't look very good. Huh? My twin flame isn't going to love me. Cause I mean, look at me compared to, you know, all the other women in the world, <laughs> all the other Photoshop skinny ass bimbos that are former shells of who they truly are in reality world. You know, you look into a magazine or, you know, it's just, it's, it's insane. My oldest started pointing out, um, when she saw Photoshopped pictures or he, I'm sorry, when he saw Photoshopped pictures of women, he'd be like, okay, look, see this, see this, no human being looks like this. And we start pointing out some stuff. I'm all, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So then I started seeing the Photoshop stuff. It's like, don't ever see these women and, and like feel bad about yourself because your weight or your looks or the shape of your face or whatever because it's pretty it's pretty insane I mean in the shallowness of society we we find ourselves wallowing in the deep end of our self-pity god I'm glad I recorded that one I gotta write that down that was pretty cool (laughs) so so what do you do To bring yourself into your own personal power. First of all, if if the looks 
that you have when you see yourself in the mirror aren't what you need to see to make yourself feel better on a physical level, change what you can. Just change what you can, you know. Wrinkles can be gotten rid of with, you know, like coconut oil or, you know, you could reverse aging with the Himalayan five rights. Um, Teeth can be whitened, you know, hair can be dyed or recut, whatever. It's all shallow crap. So that's one level to it. And judging yourself based on your looks is not going to help anybody, especially not you. So that's the first thing. And the second, so, you know, the the, the very shallowish thing, the way people pick you apart. You know, if you don't like your wardrobe and you look like a hobo, I walk around, look like, I look like a a homeless man. I dress like a homeless man half the time just because I don't want people to bug me. I'd rather them think I'm crazy than want to interact and deal with me. It's ridiculous. And then sometimes I clean up real nice and I'll throw on a dress and I actually even have some heels, very shallow heels because I broke my leg. I very rarely wear them, but, you know, sometimes I look good, you know, like physically, you know, whatever. I do clean up and actually look like a woman sometimes. <laughs> you know, like last night I had a little bit of makeup on. I had this I had this date and I like wearing makeup sometimes, not all the time. You know, and then this guy kept, oh, you're pretty. Uh, marry me. Blech. Blech. You know, and I feel like I want people to see me for who I am. So you want people to see you for who you are. You're not your hair or your face. You know, you want people to remember you at your funeral. What do you want them to say about you? And if you're not there yet, you know, you don't want people to go, well, yeah, he was a good guy and didn't really do much of his life, but hey, he was a pothead, lived on his mom's couch in the basement, you know, like if that's what they're going to say about you, you better step it up a little bit. You don't want to be an overachiever and not have connection with other human beings. You know, you want to have good friends and you want your brothers and sisters to have a good relationship with you and your have a wife or a husband you want to have connection with human beings you want them to say not only was he a fantastic businessman but also he was a hell of a guy he had integrity he had heart and love he held my hand when my wife died in the hospital he was there for me he hugged me when I really needed a hug and I really needed a friend those are the kinds of things you want people to say about you right I mean I hope you do at least So if you could imagine that tomorrow was your funeral, what would people say about you? She was brave and strong and really stood up for herself, but not only for herself, but she stood up for children's rights. She made a real difference in her community. She was a leader and she was a hell of a woman. That might be something you want them to say about you. Whatever it is, whatever you're interested in doing it with your life. You know, she was a really great writer. She was artistic and creative and expressive. She could really paint a picture the way no one else, no other authors I had ever read did. Her stuff will ring true in me for the rest of my life. And a lot of the things that she said made me reevaluate who I was as a human being. 
You know, those are the kinds of things you want people to say about you. So you have to surround yourself with people who are going to see you. You don't want to be at your funeral and go, well, up until the last few years, she was a real looker. Boy, she she had some some great gams. Every chance I got, I got a gander at those gams. Boy, those legs were something else. What a terrific figure she had. What a pretty face. It's like, what the hell? Kind of, you know what I mean? Like, what kind of... So don't allow people to uh, pick you apart by your legs or your hands or your face or your eyeball <laughs> or your nostrils, whether they're big or small or whatever. I mean, none of that crap matters. And and so you got to take back your own personal power. You got to get away from people. They're only going to evaluate you based on the accoutrements God gave you. And you've got to stop accepting those things in your life. I mean, someone says you're beautiful, say thank you. And if they stop there, that's cool. I've had people tell me you're beautiful and you're strong and you're brave and I respect the hell out of you. You are a great mother. And the fact that you were able to travel and feel free and and, and powerful as a person to travel alone as a single mom really blows my mind. I've had people tell me that. You're a good mom, my God. Teaching your kids on the road, being a teacher for them and educating them outside of the school system. Your kids are so bright and that is an attribution to who you are as an individual. And I love that about you. Plus you're really sexy. All right, fine. Throw in the chow bellas. Throw in the, you know, the chow bellissima. And the boy, you're so sexy. And God, you're just a kick-ass, badass person. And you're also beautiful. That's fine. That's fine. You know, but don't accept people who will just sit there and look at you. <laughs> and then they don't see you. <laughs> And don't do that to yourself. You deserve so much more. Choose, you know, light inside of yourself. You know what I mean? So I'm going to give you guys some affirmations to help this. Because you need to just anything, anything that people have said to you over the years. You, you've got to... Just shed it like a snake skin, slough it off like exfoliant, whatever you want to use as your uh, visualization to get rid of this energy and regain yourself, your will, you know? You know, if you have a boss that tells you you're lazy or you're this or you're that and laughs about it or makes fun of you or bullies you, Get the flock out of that job. You know, if you're in a relationship where you're bullied or told that you're not good enough. I had hopped timelines and my, my beautiful husband of 11 years became a biggest nightmare. For two more years, I remained married to the nightmare narcissist that I hopped timelines into to live with. And he told me that I was ugly and that I was never going to find love again. And he didn't love me anymore and didn't want to be with me anymore. And just one thing after another, I'm like, you know what? First of all, I don't care about your opinion because your opinion is yours and everyone has one like an asshole. 
Yeah, and you are one, an asshole. <laughs> you know, which really irritated I me. Mean, I mean, when you don't accept or buy into the crap that a narcissist will tell you, then that really irritates them because they can't manipulate you by making you feel bad about yourself and undermining you. <laughs> and um, the minute I got out of that marriage, I had a lot of men interested in me. And they were like, oh, yeah, so you're a couple pounds overweight. You're still so beautiful. You're sexy. You're smart. You're brave. You know, and those are the guys that I would date, the ones that saw me inside. They saw who I was. You're a great writer, blah, blah, blah. You know, those good things. And um, then I realized my husband was just a liar, you know. He was a freaking liar. And he was shallow. And he was never going to be anything more than a shallow liar. And then he died. Now, the guy that I, from the other timeline, he was great. He was an amazing human. But hopping those timelines, you know, and I knew it. I saw it. It happened consciously. I saw it. I watched it. I have episodes on this. And I'm like, wow, well, this aspect of who he was was not so good. The guy I was with, the guy I married wasn't like that. But, um... My hub, the timeline, this guy, the second guy was just blah, blah. But <laughs> this last guy that I dated last year for six months, we went out about once a month. It wasn't even a relationship really, but um, he used to say, you don't know what you want. You don't know what you want in life. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I know exactly what I want in life. I finally get to have my career. I finally get to do what I want. I finally get to be a writer. You know, I've had my radio show. I'm probably going to get back to that. And he's like, you don't know what you want. And he's like, oh, you don't need to make money. Another day, he's like, you don't need to make money. You're a woman. You're beautiful. Your job is, you know, be in the kitchen and cook for me and clean for me and, and um, be my wife. That's your job is to be a wife and to be beautiful and uh, keep your opinions to yourself and... I'm like, what the hell? This guy was like 34. Like, you sound like a 70-year-old man right now. You know? <laughs> like, were you raised by David Rockefeller? What the hell? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, not only do I know who I am, I know what I want, and I know where I'm headed. And, I mean, I love you, but you're a very limited human being. You need to get over that 1950s housewife crap as far as an idea about women are concerned i'm like where did he even get it he was raised by a single mom like and she worked her butt off and she's a millionaire so how did he even say that how could he even say that to me and i don't know if he thought he was being funny or what but he was literally looking for a wifey, a wifey, someone to get married to and not ever talk back or say anything or challenge him emotionally or mentally or, you know, someone who's just going to give him babies and keep his house clean and kept, keep his belly fed and keep him satisfied in the bed. <laughs> and that's like all he wanted. You know, I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should find someone who doesn't speak English. That might be your best bet because she's not going to know what an asshole you are until it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, dude, I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I need a man who sees me. When a guy says, oh, you're a writer? Well, that's good. Okay, good. All right. I like that. And then they don't follow it up with, well, what do you write? Can I read any of your writing? Can I, can I actually get into your mind a little bit? 
truly be interested in you as a human? Hey, you know, so at least that's my perspective of it. So, I mean, are you in this situation? Do you have people that literally care about what you do? If you're a clothing designer, do they want to try on your clothes that you created? Do they want to ask your opinion about their own personal style? You know, if you're, um, you know, if you do a hair, I mean, do they go, wow, I like the way you cut hair or like what scissors do you use? You know, it's like whatever it is that you do. If you're a car mechanic, you know, and that's what you're doing, you're working with your hands. Does your, you know, is the woman interested in you going to say, um, well, what kind of uh, motor do you like or what's the difference between an engine and a motor or, you know, ask you something that shows how well you shine at what you do. Well, no matter what it is that you do, you know, and if what you do isn't who you are, does that person want to know your dreams, your hopes, your fears? Do you have any ambitions in life that, that they're interested in learning more about? Do they see your attributes that are really your attributes? Having, you know, brown eyes, that's not an attribute. Although I love, I love brown eyes. Liquid chocolate eyes. Oh, they just melt me. I love it. I love it. You know, but I like, but I don't go around looking for guys with, oh, if you have brown eyes, <laughs> you know, you're going to be the one for sure. <laughs> You know, I don't mind that. You know, if someone has blue eyes or green eyes, I love that too. Because I always want to see the window to the soul. I want to see the soul behind the window. So you got to accept people in your life that will see the see more than just the window. And the window dressing. <laughs> and you got to see more about yourself. So here are some solar plexus chakra affirmations. And starting tomorrow, this energy is going to come through. We are going to have to breathe a big collective sigh and let all that stuff go. All the stuff people put on us, all the stuff we put on ourselves, all the ways in which we limit ourselves or have accepted ourselves to be limited by others through the eyes of others. Okay, so here we go. I love and accept myself. I stand up for my own rights. I stand up for myself. I am strong. I am courageous. I am brave. Okay. I choose the best for myself. I only accept the top quality people who see me and who I am inside. I do not put up with shallowness. I am worthy of love, kindness, and respect. I respect myself. I honor myself. I am authentic. I am, I am genuine. I have integrity. I live my truth. I am at peace with myself. I accept everything about myself. I only accept people in my world and in my life that accept me for who I truly am. I direct my own life. I am the director. I'm also the editor of my own life. <laughs> I am the creative director and the writer and the creator of my own life. I am the host of my own show. I am the host of my life. <laughs> I just put that one in there because since I'm a radio talk show host, hey, <laughs> um, I choose the best for myself. I express myself in a powerful way. 
people will remember me for what I have done in my life. I choose only healthy relationships. I choose to have a healthy relationship with myself. I choose to have a healthy relationship with my body. I choose to have a healthy relationship with food. I feel my own power. I know my own power. I know who I am. I appreciate myself. I appreciate my strengths. I seek opportunities for personal growth. I seek opportunities for spiritual growth. I accept my spirituality. I accept my sexuality. I accept my body. I accept my abilities. I accept my quirkiness. I accept my seriousness. I accept the needs of my body and I don't judge myself for them. I accept everything there is to accept about myself. I am proud to be me. I am proud of my achievements. I am more than just the physical. I am me. So those are, those are, those are some ideas of things that you could say to yourself, you know, make up your own. If you don't like what I said or the way that I said it, go ahead and change it around, write down, I don't know, pick a, pick a number five, 10, 20, say them every day. 21 is a good number. Say them for 21 days. See how better you feel. Um, also just tomorrow and tonight, tomorrow, the next few days, just wherever you, whenever you hear it, just take a deep breath and just do the sun meditation. Go back to the one where I talked about this, bring in the sun energy into your solar plexus, allow it to burn up the dross and the negativity that other people put there and what you've accepted and what you yourself have put there. I know you can do it. I love you. I accept you for who you are. No more shaming, no more body shaming, no more slut shaming, no more female shaming, no more mom shaming. Oh, my mom made me do this or my mom did that. My dad did that. No more parental shaming. Okay. No more shaming period. We, we deserve better. Always strive for the best in yourself. Always, you know, know that you can achieve it, what you want. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) I love each and every one of you with my whole heart, mind, body, and soul. I'm here for your personal um, growth in every possible area. And I'm here to help you express your divine self, your highest truth, and meet your divine in your everyday life. So signing off now with peace and love and joy. worthiness and self-acceptance and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension until next time
Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.